Our scripture today comes to us out of Genesis chapter 1. We begin in verse 1. Uh, I encourage you, we're only going to read verses 1 through 5, but I encourage you to go home today and read all the way through the end of the first chapter. As it is very pertinent to today, we're not going to read it today for the sake of time, but I encourage you to read all of the creation story today. But we're going to read Genesis 1, 1 through 5 in worship this morning. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning. The first day. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, that we may hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. So after discovering how to clone human beings, two scientists challenged God. They said, God, we don't need you anymore. We can make life by ourselves now. Okay, God replied. Let's have a man-making contest. Okay, the scientist said, let's do it. We'll do it like you did in the beginning. And so they reached down to grab a handful of dirt to start forming a man out of the dirt, just like God did. And, And God said, hold on a second. You don't need me, make your own dirt. (laughs) Today we're going to continue a worship series we've been on called Burning Questions. And these are questions that spark uh, conversations about our faith, perhaps controversial questions in the life of the faith. But where better to ask and answer questions than in the faith and at church together? And today we're going to ask and answer the question, how can I believe in science and creation? You know, science in and of itself is about asking questions. These questions are for the purpose of of gathering Data. You know what data is? Data is observable evidence that allows humans to understand our world. Scientists constantly ask questions. The goal is to ask the right questions to get us to the next question. Any scientists in here? Amen. (laughs) I see several of you. Scientists expect truth to be found in hard data that results from empirical concrete evidence. People people of faith believe that that trusting only the physical world, though, is, is too limited a way to view existence. Many of 
of our questions are outside the scope of science because there is no concrete empirical hard data that can be found on it. Questions like, why are we here? Where did we come from? How are we to live our lives? How do we know that God is real? Why does God love me? Why do bad things happen to good people? These questions that go on and on. But here's the kicker, folks. And this is kind of the basis for this message today. Science and religion are not, by definition, opposites. And yet, that is how scientists and Christians often approach one another. Let me give you an example. True story. A young college student has taken a biology class based on evolutionary theories. And at the same time, he is attending a, a Bible study on campus where its leading uh, leaders are, are criticizing science teachers and classes being offered at the same university by saying that the classes, quote, are the devil on campus being used to tell young people lies about God. This is a, a, a true and, and a vivid illustration of the divide that we often see between science and religion. The questions this raises for many perhaps then is this, are science and faith mutually exclusive? Is it, is it possible even to accept both? Does belief in one lessen the validity of the other? And so on and so forth. Many other questions I'm sure you could come up with yourself. But you want to know what the real tragedy is this morning? The real tragedy is that few good places exist to ask hard questions about faith to persons of science or to ask hard questions about science to persons of faith because they're always trying to outdo one another. That's the real tragedy, amen? A Barna study in 2007 found that 72%, so no doubt this number's higher, right, because of the date of this material, 72% at least, if not more, of those ages 16 to 29 outside the church claim that they are outside the church because they believe Christians are out of touch with reality. An important reason for this view that they found when they asked further questions in this survey is because the church is often seen as anti-science. The standard view during the, the, the past few centuries has been that, that belief in one then is a rejection of the other. But folks, the fight between the two is a false argument. <laughs> it's a false argument. When scientists and Christians talk about the origins of the universe, there's a fundamental difference in their lines of questioning. The primary questions of Scripture are who, why, and then to a lesser extent, what? We're asking a question of the who. We're asking a question of the why. And then we're touching on the subject of what. Listen to this, folks. 
The Bible does not teach that the world was created 6,000 years ago. The Bible does not teach that the world was created 13.8 billion years ago. You want to know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. Period. Someone say, period. The Bible teaches us that God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis tells us that God created the heavens, the earth, the animals on the earth. The rest of scripture tells us that God is love and created the world and humanity out of that love. On the other hand, evolution asks what processes created the diversity that exists in the life all around us. Catch that? Evolution asks what processes created the diversity that exists in the life all around us. Evolution is asking the how. These are fundamentally different and not necessarily competing areas of interest. Scripture is teaching us the who. The why. Science through evolution teaches us the how. Let me give you an example to kind of further clarify that. Let us imagine that Aunt Matilda has made a beautiful cake. And we take it along to be analyzed by a group of the world's leading scientists. The nutrition scientist will tell us about the number of calories in the cake and its nutritional effect. The biochemist will, will inform us about the structure of proteins and fats and etc. in the cake. The physicist, right Norm, will be able to analyze the cake in terms of fundamental, fundamental particles and the mathematicians will no doubt offer us a set of elegant yet confusing equations to describe the behavior of those particles. And within that, we have certainly been given a description of how the cake was made and how its various ingredients relate to one another. But suppose I were to now assemble the group of experts and ask them a final question. Why was the cake made? The grin on Aunt Matilda's face shows us the why it was made. She made it for a purpose, but only Aunt Matilda knows that purpose. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. All the scientists in the world will not be able to answer the question, why? And it's, it's no insult to the disciplines by which they study, or, their, or it says anything about it, any incapacities to be able to answer it. Their disciplines cannot answer the why questions connected with the purpose of which the cake or anything else is made. 
Only Aunt Matilda can disclose it if she chooses to. In the world of creation, God discloses the reason, the why. The reason is love. Love that God has for all of God's children and love for all of one another that God desires that we have for one another. That is the why of creation. Both science and faith, dear friends, are necessary. Are necessary for wisdom in our modern world. A religionless view denies a part of our identity and fails to answer questions of its meaning and its purpose. And then science can help us understand the building blocks of the universe moments after it was created, but cannot answer the question of why it was created or who might have created it. I don't know about you, but science does a great job of picking up from the boom. But there had to have been a creative mind known as God behind the boom. Science cannot provide many answers at all about some of the most important factors of life that cannot be answered. Things such as hope of a sacrifice and of love, those remain in the domain of faith. Do we want to live in a religionless world? No. We don't want to live in a world that would not hear that all human beings are made in the image of God. The imagio Dei. We don't want to live in the world that won't teach us that. We don't want to live in the world that doesn't teach or that we won't hear that God loves us. We don't want to live in a world where it doesn't exist that we matter to God. We don't want to live in a world that would never hear the message to turn the other cheek or to love our neighbors as ourselves. We don't want that kind of world. A world that will never be told the idea that life can exist after death and that hope is always we ever want to live in that kind of a world friends thanks be to God we never have to amen but let me ask you another question do we want to live in a world without science do we want to live in a world without antibiotics or computers or cell phones or airplanes do we want to live in a world without progress or the understanding of how things work so we can get better? Do we want to live in a world where we can't get healthier and that we can't have more knowledge of people because we have science? We do not want to live in that world either. So how many religious people who dismiss scientific thought still go to the doctor and the dentist when they are sick or need their teeth cleaned or their mouth hurts, amen? We got three in the house today. Get in line. <laughs> How many don't want to bring their animals to the veterinarian, right, Doc? Whenever that, per that animal, which is a part of your family, is also sick. 
because of science, even our furry friends have the opportunity. How many people of faith are doctors and scientists themselves? Amen. Folks, a world without science would mean rejecting the truths that are staring us right in the face and would be irresponsible of us as Christians or people in general. Some Christians say they stand for truth and yet deny scientific truth for which there is overwhelming data and empirical evidence. As a result, many people outside of the church have become uh, weary of trusting religion, seeing it as a realm of the uneducated or the ignorant or the stubborn. But I got news for them. <laughs> There's nothing uneducated or stubborn or, or ignorant about this crowd, amen? <laughs> and if you go down to the church down the road, I guarantee you that the majority of them, them in there, I don't know them personally, so I can't speak for them, but I guarantee you that you go in and there, you will not find people who are uneducated and ignorant and stubborn. You may find a few in every church, amen? <laughs> But the church is not the realm of the uneducated, the ignorant. The church is the realm of love. The church is the realm of grace. Theologians and scientists for the most part asking different questions. Neither ought to dismiss the other. Humanity needs both science and religion. The wise path is trusting that a synthesis exists between the two even when we are too limited to see it fully. Amen? Scientist Troy Van Voorhees, who is a professor of chemistry at MIT, argues this. He argues that faith and science both have their place in helping us understand how the universe works. And this is what he says. Of course science helps us understand how the universe works. What's not as clear is what role faith plays in this. Some would even argue this is a question that faith ought to keep away from at best. Faith provides simplistic and incorrect models that are going to be embarrassingly disproved by later scientific testing. Don't hate him yet. But this argument assumes there can only be one explanation and ignores the existence of multiple layers of meaning. Let me give you an example, he says. You could ask me, Troy, why is your shirt purple? I could answer this in a very scientific way. He says, I, I could say my shirt is purple because there is a high concentration of 6.6 dibromoindingo. I will not make you say that out loud. There is so much of this particular substance in the fiber that we're used to weave it. He says, I could even test that hypothesis by attempting to remove the dye from the shirt to demonstrate the molecular reason why my shirt is purple. However, I could offer another explanation. My shirt is purple because my wife thinks I look quite nice in purple. Amen? 
Both explanations can be true. The earth was created by the processes of da da da. Or the earth was created by God because of love dot dot dot. Both can and are true. We have God and we have the processes created by God which we call science. Can you believe in both? You bet you can. Because of this. We have God and we have the process created by God to which we call science. They are on the same team. We need God and we need science. The official stance from the United Methodist Church says this. We recognize, it's a long one, we recognize science as a legitimate interpretation of God's natural world. We affirm the validity of the claims of science in describing the natural world and in determining what is scientific. We preclude science from making authoritative claims about theological issues and theology from making authoritative claims about scientific issues. We find that scientists' descriptions of cosmological, geological, and biological evolution are not in conflict with theology. We recognize medical, technical, and scientific technologies as legitimate uses of God's natural world when such use enhances human life and enables all of God's children to develop their God-given creative potential without violating our ethical convictions about the relationship of humanity to the natural world. We re-examine our ethical convictions as our understanding of the natural world increases. We find that as science expands human understanding of the natural world, our understanding of the mysteries of God's creation and world are enhanced. In acknowledging the important roles of science and technology, however, we also believe that the theological understandings of human experience are crucial to a full understanding of the place of the humanity in the universe. Science and theology are complementary rather than mutually incompatible. We therefore encourage dialogue between the scientific and theological communities and seek the kind of participation that will enable humanity to sustain life on earth and by God's grace increase the quality of our common lives together. That's a mouthful, right? But that is our statement of belief on science and theology in our church. So let me ask you a question, folks. Can we believe in science and creation? Do we need both? Amen? The better question is, how can we not believe in science and creation? This is the gospel given to us today. How can we play better together for the sake of our world 
and for the people in the world who all matter to God and to us. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hymn for going forward this morning is Pass It On. It's actually found in the Methodist hymnal on page 572, in the United Methodist hymnal on page 572, not the Cokesbury, that was my fault. But we're passing on the message of God. We're passing on the message of God's love. We're passing on the message that all people matter. That is our purpose and our intention and our vision. What do you need today to know that you matter to God? What does the person outside those doors need to, today to know that they matter to God? How can we be the ones to deliver that message? If you don't know today, if you're watching, if you're listening, and this is a message that you can bring to someone else today who may not be sitting in this room who you know needs to hear it. If you don't know how much you matter to God, it takes a simple prayer to invite Christ to come into our lives. It says, Lord, I know how much I matter to you despite myself. Come into my heart and live in me that I may know how much you love me and I may love others because of that. Folks, that prayer will change your life. It'll change the life of your loved ones if you just take a moment to explain them to, to them what that means. Maybe you have a neighbor who all you gotta do is say, hey, do you know how much you matter to God? Thanks. You know how quickly it is to spark a conversation? Maybe it's the one that we always argue with. Whoever it is, today, you, someone you know, let someone know how much they matter. Pass it on. Let's stand together as we sing our hymn of invitation going forward this day. All three verses of that hymn.